2: I'm your host, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing?
3: Well, Steve, I'm all right. Uh, you know, I'm past my my leg of the, the virtual team race. Uh, probably didn't set up my team in the best way possible, but on the bright side, you guys can only go up from where we are here. So just setting you guys up for success, you know, setting the stage for a big comeback here. So yeah it's in
2: your hands now and as always at the house of south we got trent fontanella trent
0: how you doing bud guys i'm currently in rally mode because today i pulled off kind of the elusive and sometimes difficult evening nap right like the post seven o'clock nap got home from work totally exhausted just kind of lay on the bed for a second and before you know it i'm in full nap mode uh, I set the alarm for like that 28 minute, that's the sweet spot, and then I get up, at, it was like 740 or so, and I rolled out of bed, um, so here I am, like energized, ready to go, it's always dangerous, I don't know if you guys ever try to do like the evening nap, or, or the late afternoon nap, it can be scary, right, there's a chance you just don't wake up till the next day, um, but I pulled it off, and here I am recording a podcast with you gentlemen.
2: You're right, very risky maneuver. I'm not a nap guy. I feel like it ruins the rest of my day. I can't go to sleep at night. I can't nap. And if it does happen, if I am exhausted and I go to sleep too early, you know, I'm going to end up waking up at three, four o'clock in the morning. You can't have that.
0: Well, I was confident I could pull it off. I'll deal with the consequences of this later, but I needed to be, you know, fresh and on my game for the podcast tonight. So, guys, I.
2: I had a hell of a day. I had an extremely busy day. One of the busiest days I've had in a long time. It was go, go, go. I'm currently in Tampa, Florida right now. Just got off a plane. I'm down here for work. But today was one of those days where I woke up and it's just like, as soon as you wake up, you start feeling the anxiety because you just have so much crap to do that day. Just so much work. Like I had to, I had to like a full day of work and then I had to like, pack and get ready, head to the airport, you know, a little after three o'clock, get on a plane, get down to Tampa. And so I woke up and I was like, all right, we are going to own this day. We are going to crush this day. Got up, poured myself a cup of coffee, started working like crazy, made a whole list of things that I need to do. Check, 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 checking off the boxes. And it got, you know, down to like two, you know, two fifteen. And I was like, all right, throw some stuff in a suitcase. And I was like, I could either Leave for the airport right now and have plenty of time for my flight. Or I could squeeze my run in and roll the dice, baby. And you know what I did? I went for my run. Got a run in. Left my house by like 3.20. You know, my my flight is doors closing. It's not even boarding. Doors closed at 4.22. So I had an hour to get from Lowell, Massachusetts to Logan Airport, park, get to my gate. Rolled up at 4.19. Got right on the plane, sat down, got off the plane. And I was just like feeling so good about my timing. I got in a cab. I pulled up. I was starving. I was so hungry. Pulled up Uber Eats. Wanted to order some food. I was like, should I wait? Look, there was seventeen. There was about 17, 20-minute trip to my hotel. Food was about 15 to 20 minutes away. I said, let's roll the dice, baby. Ordered the food. Cab rolled up. What car pulled in right behind us? Uber Eats delivery guy, got my food, went right into my hotel. You know, it doesn't work out like this too often, but sometimes there's just those days where you're hitting all the hitting all the, the right lights, you, you know, just clicking off all the times. It was just a thing of beauty this afternoon.
3: Steve, you know, there's not many things in this world that can, like, detract you from a run. But if there is one, it's being late to the airport because you're a notorious, got to be there three hours Damn. early. I am shocked up. listening to this story i mean holy smokes you you pushing it within like an hour and a half of flight time for you is really you know pushing the envelope so i'm glad you're able
0: to push out of your comfort zone today i must say the the run is a one of those things that'll get you to show up late to an airport like getting on an airport an airplane after a run is just such a better feeling than having not done it right you you get all that energy out and you can finally sit and you can relax on that airplane so I'm not surprised there's one thing that can get Steve to show up late it will be the run there's a couple parts of the story I want to break down a little bit further though Um, so you say you get to the airport at 419 right and gates closed at 422 and then you immediately said after that you know I'm feeling so good about my time but take us back you know five ten minutes when you're when you're on 93, you're zipping down, you're in the tunnel to go over Logan at that, port, at that point. And apparently, you're a notorious early airport getter. So, so give us the mindset before you knew you were safe. Like, How much were you freaking out at this point? So
2: to answer your question, not that much. And I'll explain why. Mike's right. I'm a, notori- I'm a notorious early to the airport guy because, you know what, I travel so much for work. I'm like every other week on an airplane, at least when, when during non-COVID times. And, you know, nothing would screw up my week more than missing a flight. So I'm, I'm a guy that likes to get to the airport early, pop open my laptop, answer some emails in the morning, make sure I have my cup of coffee, maybe have a little breakfast. If it's in the evening, I'm have my, I have my laptop open at the bar, having a, having a beer before my flight. So, yes. I like to get to the airport early, but once the thing, the reason, yes, I was cutting it close and I was blasting down 93 to get to, to get, get to Logan. But the reason why I didn't have any anxiety about it is because when I made that decision to go for the run, it's just, Hey, this one's out of my hands. I'm putting this one up to the gods. If they decide I I should make this flight today, then they decide that if they decide I'm not, then it's not meant to be. Sorry if my boss is listening, but this is the first time I've done this in, in my nine years of being employed by this company. But I just said, you know what? This one's out of my hands. If there happens to be traffic on 93 coming to Logan, it's over. If it's not, there's a chance There's a chance I might make it. But to your point, Trent, I, I was sitting at my computer since 6.45 a.m. this morning. I felt like crap. I knew that if I was going to get on that plane, land in Tampa, I was going to feel even worse. I had to get around it, running. and it made me feel so much better. I feel great. No, Steve, I guess
3: I guess that's the one place where I guess I'm not surprised about you pushing it for the airport. Because, let, let's be honest. It's in your genes. It's in your blood. I'm going to give a quick shout-out to, to our dad here. There is nobody in the world who is more of a, like, oh, like, uh, mom needs us at the party by 5 p.m. It's, like, 4.31. Yeah, I got time to squeeze in a <laughs> run before. You know what <laughs> I mean? We're all sitting in the car sprinting in to go – you know, take a shower after, after his run. And yeah, it, it, it's in your blood. The, the,
2: I got time to squeeze in that quick three or four miles. It's ingrained in you. I'll never forget. There was so many times in our childhood where it was like the whole family was getting ready to go somewhere. And all of a sudden, like our dad comes like running down the stairs with his like shoes in hand. He's like, I'm just going to get a fifth. Quick 15, 20 on the treadmill. So yes, it, it is. He's, it he's doing grew it, up he's, Like every every single time our family was going somewhere, just need a quick fifteen on the treadmill, then we'll get going.
3: We're we're all like in like our khakis and like button up shirts. Dad's in his running shorts, like rolling around doing his stretching on the ground. It's like, what are you what are you doing? We we gotta leave in fifteen
2: minutes. I I got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, it, it, this was this was a I am becoming my father moment. But you know it it, it worked out, so I, I feel great. Made my flight. All right, everybody. I want to talk to you really quick about our presenting sponsor for the podcast, the Harrier. We've talked about the Harrier so many times about the podcast. This is a brand we really love. It's a lifestyle brand for runners. It's a lifestyle clothing brand for runners. You know, So you have something to wear outside of just your technical running gear, outside of your like ratty old race t-shirts. Harrier gives you something that says like, hey, I'm a runner. I want to be in the running lifestyle, but I also don't necessarily want to always dress like a runner the harrier makes clothing and kind of t-shirts that are inspired by pop culture history of the sport fashion and just everyday runners um and you know like us it was started by a couple running buddies out of minneapolis that wanted to do something fun and wanted to create something you know different in the sport so head over to the-harrier.com use promo code p2e to get 10 percent off your entire order we love this brand go support the brands that support us
3: Steve, like one of my favorite things about the Harrier is, you know, a lot of people see you wearing these t-shirts and they, they probably don't understand it. They probably don't get it. Right. So it's just like a random t-shirt to them, but the people who do get it, right. If you pass by somebody who understands what's going on on your t-shirt, when they say, see drip Cho Gay or they see, you know, Boston Billy, or whatever like that, those people it's, it, it's invaluable. How the, the reaction you get from these people, yeah. because they, they get it. They love it. And it's like, even if it's just once a week, once a month, you get that reaction. Well, it's worth
2: it. You need- it's the classic. It's the classic. If you know, you know, right? It exactly. could be just a exactly. hilarious T-shirt of a of a Kenyan guy drinking an enormous beer, or you could walk by
0: somebody and be like, "That Elliot Kipchoge shirt is fire." To your, to your point, your Steve. Even if you don't get the you know what's going on in that t-shirt a lot of these are still just like fun looking like cool t-shirts that so you're just gonna have random people like like the kipchoge chugging a beer t-shirt if you just had a random person on your, your shirt chugging a beer i mean that's a great shirt no matter you know if you know who that person is or not so it's kind of a win-win or it's a conversation
2: starter right yeah.
0: L- lady rolls up and be like who is that
2: sexy looking guy on your t-shirt rocking uh, a, a a suit jacket and shorts and be like oh that's that's drip chogi honey so, go check it out, the Um, So, we had a big week last week. We had the first week of our Stoke Performance virtual team race, and there were some lightning fast times. A um, lot of uh, everybody, pretty much everybody, submitted a time for the competition that signed up. Um, and I spent all week kind of establishing the scoring system that I explained on the live stream uh earlier this week um and it worked out perfectly this is going to be a highly contested competition between all different genders all different age groups uh so i'm I'm really proud of how it turned how it turned out and i'm excited to to see how this uh this race shapes out over the next couple weeks
3: yeah the competition looks cool i love the the people get into it kind of get into the comments talking a little talking a little shit i hope that continues a little bit more steve i gotta say your announcement videos for the distance—they're awesome. It's it's must-watch IG TV there because first of all, you get the suspense of not knowing what distance is coming. Then you're bringing in you know P2E family to just say all kinds of ridiculous things. It's wildly entertaining. But <laughs> when that wheel is turning, it's tick 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 tick. You go by the half marathon. You're like, oh god, is it gonna hit there? And then on this one we hit with the six miles but right before it was the one mile so that's such a drastic difference of a race where it's like right in the middle of those two had no idea where it was gonna go so yeah great job with those videos wildly entertaining
0: very very good stuff uh i'm sitting there i'm watching you and harrison talk and i'm just thinking i'm gonna lose my spot on the podcast right here <laughs> it was like a couple <laughs> of old pros just talking about it. It Was cool how, how well you guys how much a chemistry there was between you uh the uh formula that you have for for calculating i'm just gonna say this is all steve i helped uh, none whatsoever with this formula it's kind of like like fast food though like the result seems great i don't even know what's going into it though i don't understand like what numbers what kind of calculators you have that's figuring this stuff out with this point system but i don't care i don't need to know i don't need to know what is the uh, the formula the results seem to work a really, really nicely with, you know, all these super fast times out there. But at the same time, we're going to have something that's going to be pretty competitive.
2: Let me tell you, Trent, this formula is elaborate. But it's a thing like I wanted to like try and create something that reflected the effort that people were putting into it, like no matter like where you are. Um, and I think I did a pretty good job of it. And it's like just to quickly kind of run it down. I didn't want to have the your place finish in the in the overall standings be completely discredited by the um kind of percentile finish or the age and gender grading so um i your place counts towards your points then it takes a huge chunk of your percentile finish and then for the women there's kind of an equivalency adjustment and like i put all the times in and i like crossed my fingers i was like please work please work please work and it came out perfectly right our guy brandon brandon allen from ghouls and goblins ran a blazing fast time he ran under under 20 minutes so like his team deserves to be number 1 right and i and i and i suspected they were going to be after this formula but then right after it it was the two top girls teams right so i was like well this is just absolutely perfect i couldn't i couldn't have like i didn't think it was going to work this well i'm i'm pumped with how it came out and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how like the
3: the standings like fluctuate and change down the home stretch i'm i'm like invested in this as a fan right because i want to see every week we'll kind of get to see what teams jump up, what teams jump down. And I'm sure we'll have some of like the similar, like top men and top women's team kind of right there at the top the whole time. Maybe they get past. I know Brandon's, you know, a beast. I have no idea what his teammates are like. So
0: they could, they get past, who knows? We'll see down the home stretcher. Mike, you're invested as a fan because you're clearly not invested as an (laughs) athlete. I just want to give a shout out to my girlfriend, Megan, who, uh, I mean, it was almost a year ago now, right? Because there's an in-person road race you don't have. But I remember Mike and and Megan were were on the course together for a 5K. And Megan was telling me how, you know, Mike kind of just got her there at the end. And it was going by and maybe she could have had the kick in her, but she didn't have it. And there was a two miler when um, you know she came up just again just a tad short on it, and so she had been come and she had been come and it's great to see someone that hasn't run competitively since middle school uh, to to beat out uh, my uh, my podcast host here, Mike. So a shout out to Megan for that.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it, listen, Trent, it was it was a long time coming, like you said, she's been chipping away, chipping away, and and that's always how it works, right? She was narrowing the gap, chipping away, chipping away. We were seconds apart, and then she exploded to I don't know some Three minutes. Who knows? Who knows how much you beat me by? It, it was a lot. Listen, Trent. It happens. Sometimes you just gotta, you know, tip your cap and call Megan your daddy. You
2: know. <laughs> and then you know the other piece of this is you know we're we're ahead of a handful of teams. Most of the field is, is ahead of us, but even the teams that are behind us, little, literally, literally, like, legitimately, every single team in this competition has a chance to beat us and it's like that's that's not crazy to say right it's very very close towards the bottom of the of the standings and you know personally like i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna run as hard as i can um, i don't expect to run that fast because you know i peaked too early but uh you know i i genuinely hope that everybody in this competition beats us because i want to send out the prizes like we got these we got cool prizes i want to send them out so keep grinding everybody so, so
3: question for each of you first you trend you're coming up. You're taking the next leg
0: for us, the six miler. Where are you at? How are you feeling? Uh, I'm in that sweet spot of like just just doing enough where I'm not totally out of shape, right? So I don't expect to run uh, anything super fast, and I don't expect to run anything super slow. Uh, six feels like the right distance where I can actually, you know, put the wheels together, get going a little bit without without burning out, not too too long. So I feel pretty good about where I'm at. And then Steve, you're obviously
3: going to be taking our third leg. What are you hoping that that spinning wheel lands
2: on? So I think I'm in in my best case scenario because I think I needed either like the extremely short distance or the extremely long distance. I think if it was any of the meat distances, any of the middle distances, I would have been like in trouble. I think I can pull together um, like a fast mile if I need to. And if I get the half marathon, I think I can rally. And I think I can, like, pump myself up to the point where it's just like, let's go do this. Like, we're, we got to get out there and grind. But if I was doing, like, a four-mile or six-mile, I think I might get discouraged halfway through and be like, ah, screw this. But well, with the it, half marathon, I think if, like, I have a bad mile, it's like, we'll get them next mile. And, and the thing is, the half marathon is, like, not many people
3: are, like, randomly training for half marathon. It's kind of a wild card distance. So exactly. it, it's kind of it's kind of the great equalizer, right? It just kind of goes to – what kind of shape you're in and you know can you grind through and stuff like that the the middle distance is there it's like there's no faking it what you are is what you are you know if you if you go out there and you're trying to run four miles as fast as you can and you're slow as hell the whole world's gonna know like they do now so there's no faking it same thing with that mile it's like maybe you can just kind of grind through that one mile maybe you can just get through it's a I hear what you're saying, but there, Steve, there is still some distances in the middle there that, that are on the board that they're
2: still there. So it could, it could happen. I'm kind of like, I'm, you know what? Like I know it would be brutal, but I'm kind of in the mindset where it's just like, let's just, let's just have the 13.1 come up. Let's do it. Let's, well, let's get let's weird it. with it. Let's do it for chaos sake. Yeah. 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 Let's do it. So I hope, I hope it comes up. Um, but yeah, this is, this is turning out great. Like I'm, I'm going to be glued to the results every single week. Um, keep paying attention, keep tuning into the live stream, because like Mike said, like they're, they've been fun to watch. I've had been, I've had fun doing them. So maybe we'll find an excuse to do some more live streams in the future. Mike, let's kick off the running news.
3: All right. So we got a couple news stories this week. There's honestly not a ton going on in the news. Uh, but we got two cross-country stories I want to talk about. The first one is the NCAA released their kind of qualification standards for, for cross-country. And the reason they're doing this is because there's going to be no regional championship meets this year. So they kind of had to think of a new system on how individuals and teams are going to qualify for nationals. Gentlemen, did you get a chance to kind of look at this, dive into it, any, anything?
2: Expert. <laughs> I did. I, you know what? I kind of like. I kind of like this. I kind of like it because it brings me back to to high school almost, right? You know, you you do go to big invitationals, but for the most part, you only really know your your conference or you only really know your division. And when you kind of get to the all state, you don't really know. Like it's it's kind of up in the air. And I think that adds kind of an interesting element to this, where you know you're you've seen people run at conference, you've seen people run well, and You've seen what they have to offer, but you don't really know. It's like, it's almost like anything could happen going into the national championship, which makes
0: that race even more exciting. Yeah. My, uh, my one qualm with this, right. It, it's a great idea. to and I, of course I wins matter. W's matter. I want to see conference championships should play a role. And it's almost more exciting than the regional championship. Cause these are teams you're going to be battling more throughout the season, but maybe we should announce this like a couple weeks earlier. You know, SEC, of course, that we've been it's following true. just had their cross-country you know, conference championship a week ago, and some other conferences had that too. Uh, so there may have been coaches who didn't realize, you know, the stakes that were had here. And because the season's so weird, right, it's honestly September to March in some cases, um, you're not sure if some of the coaches played this off right. So I think I would have liked to see seen this announcement come just a couple weeks earlier.
3: I totally agree, Trent. So first of all, I just want to say, a few podcasts back i was on the record saying that if we couldn't have a cross country season i at least wanted a national championship and if that meant it took some kind of you know uh, college football type you know looking at your matchups strength of schedule type system where you know you have a group of people who are deciding who goes to the national championship then so be it so if that's what it takes then then i'm all for it my two complaints were, yeah, one, it seems a little late on the decision because they even said something, too. Like, they're not factoring in if you ran, like, an A team or a B team. Like, if you just, like, tried to, like, run, like, your young guys in the meet, that counts as, like, your team's performance. So it's kind of hard to prepare for that and really judge what these teams look like based on that type of stuff. And you're totally right, Trent. The conference championships, in a lot of cases, have already happened. Now, I think a lot of these teams ran their best – squads at the conference championship and whatnot but the the other argument i would have against this is we're already having a cross-country season right it's not like we we didn't have regular season meets we didn't have conference championship meets and you know we're not like already in this like why couldn't we just add one more set of meets with the regional championship meets like why can't we just run them at this point i don't know i I guess you're cross-contaminating and taking people out of the conference maybe that's the argument I just kind of felt like if we're already this far into it, we're going to do nationals and we're, we already ran a bunch of other meets. Why can't we just add
0: one more as, as the regional championship? I mean, it just seemed like they were, for whatever reason, whatever logistic and health reasons, they were just slow to come to this decision about what it was going to look like. Um, And at this point, you know, we make this announcement now, you can't just decide regionals are going to be, you know, this weekend or next weekend or something like that, because then teams have been probably shutting it down post-conferences. So I don't know. It's They just, uh, for whatever reason, it appears we're just slow to, uh, to step up to the plate here and come up with some final decisions.
3: Sure, but the system does, unfortunately. I mean, you're never going to have a perfect system, but it does leave it open for the possibility that, like, a really good team or a really good individual might get snubbed out of this. And you might have somebody who, you know, might have been an All American, might have been, you know, a, a top guy that doesn't get his chance because of this system.
2: I feel like coaches, though, had to have known this was a possibility, right? There, there's yeah. no way that they're going to spring these on these teams after their regional meets they had to have been like hey like this is a possibility and if and if a and if a coach didn't run like a big name then they that was this that was a choice they were willing to make in in my opinion like there's no way they didn't know like this could happen i i guess i mean
3: more of like the the type of runner who pops at regionals right like maybe some guy that you didn't like i I think of our guy mystery man isa rodriguez his freshman year you know nobody really knew who he was he was kind of middle of the pack kind of guy and that the national championship shows up and finished third like completely yeah. popped so you might be missing a guy who might have had that kind of breakout race or something at one of these championship that's fair. type races
2: that, that's fair i mean but then you look at like you know like nau right they didn't they didn't run nico young and i think that was a very calculated decision right They they knew that hey like we don't. This kid, he's he he ran a lot this summer. Like we we don't want to burn him right now. Let's save him. You know, maybe we'll run him. Maybe we'll run him in March. Maybe not. But we have a strong team. If we need him when we get there, we might use him. So like, I think that's that's kind of a good example. But it's easy to say when you have a team so so deep like NAU. For sure.
0: Yeah, the wheels are rolling now. We're having this conversation. Why is there not a regional championship just like two weeks before nationals, right? In early March or late. February yeah I was kind of thinking thinking. like this season right why are they not having this season and that's kind of slow to the game but yeah no now now coming more along to your point Michael
2: well I mean if they're gonna do a regional like might as well do it now I think once you get into the spring and you're kind of mashing three seasons together together or three sports together then it's like every single week counts and you can't be just thrown in another big and like big week of racing when you have when you're trying to cram all this stuff together anyways
3: Sure, and, and again, I think it's part of it is to like limit the amount of teams that are cross-contaminating and stuff like that, right? Because up until this point, it's really just been teams within their conferences. So if we do a regional meet and there's people interacting there, and then a national, I think that's kind of the idea. I, whatever, take that as you will, but I think that's part of the the thinking on this. All right, so the next news story. This one's kind of a bummer, right? Like we talk a lot about a lot of these covid cancellations and stuff like this. This is a meet that I didn't even know existed until I find out that it was canceled, which is which is a bummer cuz this would have been a bad ass race. So you guys are listening to this on Wednesday. This meet was supposed to have taken place today on Veterans Day where Army, Navy and Air Force were going to battle off and I think they were calling it like America's Race or something like that in just uh you know a cross military uh, academy cross country race, which would have been such a badass and cool event. I'm I'm bummed now that I just found out
2: about it. And as soon as I found out about it, it's
3: canceled.
0: Yeah, I I didn't
2: know this I didn't know this was a thing either. And and Mike, my reaction was the same thing. It's like, why is this not a bigger deal? I mean this should be Army Navy football right? I mean, up until recent years when Navy's had some really good teams and now Army's had some really good teams, even when both the programs aren't good and they're, they're jokes, I'm still tuning in every single year to watch Army Navy football team. And really like, I don't have a vested interest in either one of those teams. Like I didn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not connected to either one of those academies, just like as a fan of the sport, I'm tuning into that game every single year. That's what this race should be. Like this should be Army Navy football
0: game. Um, and, and and i'm I'm upset it's not a bigger deal. It was supposed to be on a a prehistoric venue. It sounds like uh, on a field at West Point that hasn't hosted any event in like a hundred years or something. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a bummer. And, uh, I kind of knew you guys were gonna have that same reaction that this is going to be a bummer. So I was trying to think of what my, my fun take could be for this <laughs> Oh God, here. going against here the troops. Go. This is going to be good. No, it's not against the troops at all. It's more like my, my brain spinning here about what, how we can take advantage or what we can learn from this. So basically they, they plan this awesome event, right? They haven't done the past, but we're saying they should start it every year now, but then it gets canceled because of COVID and it's got me thinking, we should be planning like sweet, like epic events that we know will just get canceled due to COVID, but we can Love market it. the Love shit out it. of it, right? And talk about this crazy epic, you know, massive deal and be posting stuff everywhere isn't so much tension to us, and then we just say, Oh, hey, sorry guys, like COVID came in and canceled it. Um, there's just a lot of opportunities that we haven't taken advantage of.
2: Trent, this is this is London Marathon Playbook 101. Yeah. <laughs> we we could book
3: these mega mega athletes and just like pay them like a hundred bucks and say, Hey, listen, the event's not going to happen. I just need you to sign up for it so that we can say you're going to show up and get canceled. sponsorship.
0: Exactly. We don't even need to go that far, man. We just announce that we have the athletes figured out, you know, and just start even better stuff like even that and better. say, Oh, COVID canceled that We had to get deal with their agents. You know, if Genius. we say that we have
3: like, you know, uh, Chapta guy showing up to our race what, what is he going to do like send us a cease and desist like he won't even know that he signed up for this he won't even know that that's like being publicized so yeah i think you're right we just say we have these mega stars showing up we got the ingebritzen brothers showing up to our event
2: how far do you think we can go with this like do you think we could like should we try this the the, the
0: possibility like what's, 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 what's
2: gonna happen what's gonna happen like we're they're gonna, gonna sue us for, the, for for the no money we have. Like, what are they? What's gonna
0: happen? No, we're gonna plan this epic event, and it's gonna be like scheduled for January first, New Year's Day, and like the vaccine comes out a month before that, and it's just like totally gone or whatever. And then we're gonna be like, ooh, oh, we come on, we, reason to cancel.
3: Yeah, that's all. we can think on the fly. We'll find another an, another reason to to cancel it. But they can't sue us over a fake event. At the end of the day, we can just be like, oh, it was a joke. Like it was it was you know it was a gag it's a parody. It was part- Yeah, exactly. It was it was it was a bit. So not worried about it. Let's do it. Well, yeah. So (laughs) let's start thinking about this. Let's make it happen.
2: All right, gentlemen. That's all I got for the news. All right. So let's get into our interview with Alec and Stuart Egon. This is a little bit of a different interview than we typically do. So Alec and Stuart are two brothers and they're doing a documentary series right now about the Bowerman track club called the extra year. Um, And they're actually starting to, to, to post them. I believe there's two up on their YouTube page. So we're going to link to, we're going to link to their Instagram and their YouTube page. So you can kind of go check it out, but it's super interesting. And it's all about, you know, what happens to these athletes when they gear their entire life towards this Olympics
0: and then they get an extra year and how they're reacting to it. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. I, uh, I had a lot more fun with this interview than I thought we were going to have, right? Kind of a different pace for us uh, getting into it, but hearing a little bit about behind the scenes stuff of how they're making uh, this documentary series, hearing a little bit of of the personalities and some stories about BTC athletes is going to be some good insight, but mainly it's just kind of two brothers almost like living the dream and it comes through in the interview. Um, And it's a, I don't know, it was a lot of fun, you guys.
3: And some random surprise like Galen oh, yeah. Rupp, Alberto Salazar type. I wasn't gonna I started. wasn't I was gonna
2: tease it, I wasn't gonna say any names, but Alec, who was a runner, dropped some bombs on us. Non-documentary later. Sure. So let's get into it. We had a lot of fun talking about We're super pumped about the, the series you're doing, it looks awesome.
1: Yeah, we're looking, we're looking forward to it. Sorry, this is we, We've back we've got a, a vacuum, vacuum cleaner system. going about one more minute here so we can clean. glass in the other room. So mm. uh, actually we'll, we'll turn this turn this a little more situated here anyway.
2: Hey, let let's just start off. Why don't we tell the listeners a little bit about the extra year and what it is?
1: Absolutely. So uh the extra year is a film that is um basically just exploring at this point, the year leading up to what is going to be the Tokyo Olympics, hopefully, um, next summer. Uh, There's a lot of unknown. So, Jerry is a really close friend of mine. Um, I ran at Wisconsin and um, ran briefly. um, When the group first moved out here, I was involved with it and, Jerry and I have been talking about doing something for quite a while, because uh, my brother Alec and I work as documentary filmmakers and um, just the opportunity to be around the group and be documenting everything that is going on with BTC, which is so fascinating right now. I mean, I I was kind of tuned out of the running world for a while and to come back into it at this time where you know Bowerman Track Club has what, almost nearly 25 athletes now that are all some of the most high-profile athletes in the world. And to be able to document even one of the meets like we did this summer was incredible. So I think to answer your question in short, it would be, it's a film that is uh, exploring the lead up to, to Tokyo and um, what that entails. I mean, a lot of things are going to change between now and then. A lot, a lot of things are probably going to happen even uh, this fall and winter, so a lot of things have already
2: happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Just no what,
1: what fills the space in between? Um, yeah, that's what we're exploring.
3: Cool. Yeah. So, I guess I think what a lot of people would be interested to hear. And you know, I don't want to spoil the episodes coming up, but what would you say would be like the the most common like theme or sentiment you've you've heard from some of the athletes and the coaches about? you know how this extra year has been and kind of you know maybe the biggest struggle about getting back into training or you know was this a good thing or a bad thing having that extra year i don't know has there been one common theme that you've seen from you know a bunch of athletes based on this weird situation we have this year
1: i would say uh gratitude um i think I mean, just the the particular athletes that are in the Bowerman Track Club are um, they just have they tend to have a very good head on their shoulders. Like, uh, I mean, I'm thinking we did an interview with Shelby recently, and that was a word that she was returning to was this sense of gratitude to, you know, have more time to just continue to prepare and continue to get better. Um, and I think it would be very easy to look at this and just look at it with a sense of disappointment. Obviously for someone like Lopez or Gwen, it's it's very different, you know, having this come more at the end of their career, as opposed to someone like Grant or Elise or Vanessa, who, you know, still has another year. They're pretty young in which they can improve. But I would say uh, most of the athletes have really expressed a sense of, of gratitude amidst something that's very, confusing with a lot of unknown
0: you guys pull back the curtain a little bit on just like the filmmaking process like how how much time are you spending with the team and like what kind of game plan did you have going into it and, and is the product that you're creating like your original vision or has that been adjusted as you go on
1: I'll, I'll go first and then I'll let Alex yeah to this. Mm-hmm. um so basically we at this point have been going to practice about once a week. I mean, in terms of like filming just normal runs every day, that doesn't really make sense for us to be there. Uh, we like being at practice because I mean, even, even Jerry himself is not, you know, typically just at a, a normal run. He's really there, um, you know, two days a week for their practices. So that's really where there's a lot of, depth the conversations and things that are occurring um so yeah some weeks we're filming both workouts uh this week we'll just film one um but i'll let alex speak to the rest of the question so we we both shot most of our projects for the last 10 years on motion picture film we haven't used digital cameras at all and so for us to have that the standard that we wanted with that to uh to meet in terms of like aesthetics and sound quality we had to build out these gigantic camera rigs so i was working back three four months doing that preparing to go to tokyo basically and preparing to maybe like do a, a few weeks of filming before that a few, like just basically the lead up right to tokyo and then all of a sudden covid happened and actually for us that like made us work way harder too because we were also at two things were happening at once um, one we, the team didn't know what they were doing in terms of like where they were going to go and what they were going to do, how they're going to practice. They had to practice in groups of two here and there. So that bought us more time on the tech, on the technology side of things to figure out like to get our ducks in a row. And then, but that was just sort of an indefinite period of time. So we just kept, uh, making our, like what we were doing better and better and better running tests upon tests, upon tests, different lenses with these specialty Swedish cameras that, uh, are extremely hard to find that have a very specific type of image sensor, um sound quality tests, just just over and over and over again, making our rigs perfect. I, I learned how to run a steady cam rig. I, I'm now a steady cam operator. Like that's what happened in the dead space until we were able to start filming practices in the summer. So
2: So is this is this just as much an extra year for you guys as it is for the athletes? Yes.
1: Totally. <laughs> totally. Yes. I mean, uh, f- I, <laughs> I think, I think uh, having those couple extra months to prepare. Uh, I mean, we we were in some ways we were unprepared to begin in March. We could have done it, but having these months has yeah. really allowed us to dial in yeah. what we're doing. And I mean, when you're doing a documentary, there there is always, no matter what you're doing, no matter if it's during COVID or not, there's always a sense of unknown or learning through the process. So for us, we're still learning what what exactly this is. I mean, yeah. what exactly are the narrative is like, I don't know who's gonna be healthy in June, who's gonna be hurt, uh, wh- who's gonna be on the team, who's not, there's really, there's no way we can prep for that. So we're just there to document and editing is where we really make the film.
3: So, I, I asked this question fully intending on you guys maybe dodging it and that's fine. I can live with that. But you know, we, we've had a few, a few of the uh, guys and gals here on the podcast. We had Evan and Grant and Vanessa and Marielle. So we have a great relationship with them. We love these, these guys and gals, but from a filming standpoint, trying to capture all of this, who would you say is been the easiest to work with? And who is like the biggest diva and, you know, the biggest, you know, superstar. You know, don't worry. They're not going to listen to this. We're not going to throw you under the bus. So feel free to, you know, answer at will here.
1: I, th- I think the thing that's beautiful about BTC, um, and I'll, I'll just speak to this, I, I think, first just because of the fact that I am almost even more, I'm definitely more of an outsider to the running community. I mean, I've grown up around it my entire life, but my running career lasted about, three months and then i had crazy injuries that lasted me through college and so I, i've never really had a competitive running career but i've always been really involved in running so coming into this from that um i the only people that i really knew on the team were like lopez and a few others um a few other kind of names that you know and and obviously Schlain and, and everyone else but uh it's really been incredible to see the camaraderie of this team yeah. and um, I haven't had a chance to watch uh, or to listen to your guys' interview fully with Grant yet, but in our piece that's coming out um, about Grant, which is sneak peek of the next episode, um, he really gives a, a, a similar sense to me, but as a runner, being very new to the group about the dynamics between, um, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, there's some of the athletes, uh, won't name names, talk a lot, but it makes for great... Uh, Great things to film. Uh, it's it's. I mean,
3: you can you I, can certainly name names.
1: Yeah, well, I, we we can. I mean, I, <laughs> I think I think we love. I mean, we any, love anyone who knows the sport knows who we're talking about. <laughs> so I think. Very well. <laughs> I think, it, but but at the same time, you know, I'll I'll throw Lopez's name out in the sense of like he's just as you'll see in the film. I mean, he's just he's such a joy to be around. He's so goofy and he's so funny and he just you know he'll just have have these speeches and things so it's just it's been a real privilege for me to just enter into that um just not having no idea what was going on other than the fact that like jerry and the schumachers are extremely good friends of ours so i know the type of team just from the person that i know jerry to be that he would that he'd put cultivate together me, and that he'd yeah. cultivate and craft and so it's been beautiful just to see that it is it's just a it's just a a high school t- like team track team cross country team whatever you would call it all distance runners basically yeah. who just happen to be some of the best runners in the world um honestly each of the athletes has been really easy to work with like yeah. no one yeah i mean i think sometimes yeah. there's this sense of like you know we're there we're hearing everything they're sharing or saying at practice it's like you know it's like hey we, you know we're, we're not gonna you know anytime you're making a documentary you you use discretion you know with what you share and um it's like it's really really beautiful to see all these different personalities come out i mean i'm thoroughly entertained when i'm at practice and i'm around matt central it's like it's 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 beautiful in a sense to watch and um you know i I love i love being around woody as well i mean he's he such a quirky guy and but he's like i don't know he i think he understands running really really well and he's kind of a guy in the group i noticed that he takes some flack sometimes but he just like you know he's out there to run fast and i think it's the same story with every one of the guys and gals in the group is they come to practice ready yeah no one comes to practice and is just like i don't want to do this today
2: that's one thing we've really noticed talking to the the BTC athletes in particular, that it is business and they're there to do a job. They're there to live up to an expectation that other clubs might not have, but they're ready for. it.
1: That's very much the case. But at the same time, you know, you'll see Shelby just on the starting line, you know, like this, like yeah. smiling, like a crazy person. But when you, when you get to know, <laughs> her, when you get to know her, it's, it's so admirable because you know, you think of pro athletes sometimes you think, okay, they, you know, everyone at that level has got a few screws loose kind of, you know, and to some degree, you know, that's kind of true, but isn't that true of like all of us? And it's just a matter of, of any of us at any point in life, you know, learning how to take our strengths and our weaknesses and, and balance them out. And that's the thing that's really beautiful. Like in our interview with Shelby recently, she's one of the most down to earth human beings I've ever met in my life. Yeah, And she's, so unbelievably committed to what she's doing but she's not i think intense is the wrong adjective and i think a lot of a lot people, of people would see a lot of people would but... say that they'd say she's extremely intense she's actually not she's just actually so passionate about the sport and about actually just seeing how far she can push herself
0: yeah. Some of the characteristics you're talking about, we've seen it on, you know, our show talking to people, um, and you can see it on Instagram, but when you do it at the documentary level, it actually makes it feel real. Right. Cause some of the stuff you can have in an interview or an Instagram post, you're not really sure like how authentic it is. Um, but what you've even just in the episode one that come out, you can really kind of, you know, that, that behind the scenes view of it, um, is, is just a I don't know it's a new new way of or a, a better way almost of just kind of getting down to the core personalities and I think that's what people want that's what we found with our podcast has been successful it's just talking about the personalities of our runners and not necessarily you know no splits and such so I'm sure you guys are having a lot of fun just getting to know everybody like that
1: yeah for sure it's been it's been really fun yeah and it's been just like you, should, you mean? I don't know. You talking about the fires and times like that. I mean, and, yeah. I mean, we've had just just unique opportunities to, you know, form relationships and get to know people. Like uh, our family has a house on the Oregon coast, and during the fires, I don't know if you guys heard about that, but we had these crazy fires here in Oregon in uh, in September, and you couldn't go outside in Portland for basically. You know, almost ten days. Ten days, yeah. So I still run. I like to be outside. It's a good workflow for me. So we went to the coast where the air was a bit better. And uh Colleen actually came and joined us down there. So we got to know her a little bit better. Uh Evan came down there. Evan was my teammate, so uh we go way back. But a few of the other athletes probably would have come down too. It was just they were scrambling because they were in central Oregon where the smoke wasn't moving there and then the smoke sat over the Willamette Valley, which is like basically where the the clouds sit, the smoke sat. <laughs> and uh, so for, fortunately we had a little microcosm down at the That's beach and um, and you know, we've run down there so much so we just invited some of the runners down to run and I I'm sure if something like that ever happened again we'd probably pack out the house, honestly, it'd be
0: pretty fun, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Some good footage doing that, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I know. that's what I was, I was I would thinking. Love be, film. I would love to film down there.
3: So, kind of going back to leading up to this Olympics, right, and the, you know, the crux of, of what this, this film and documentary series is all about, what would you say, you, you know, we all know Powerman Track Club works hard, they're mentally tough, they're, you know, doing all the little things right but what would what are viewers going to be surprised to see in like the lifestyle or the you know preparation for an, an olympic team because that's what these athletes are all in it this is a huge year it's an olympic year it's the extra olympic year right what, what are we going to be surprised to see it's like oh wow i mean i didn't i didn't even realize that they were doing this or surprised to see how much of something they're doing is, is is there anything of that nature
1: Well, I mean, I think it, I don't know, I think it depends how much people know about Jerry's training and his, the way that things work. Um, I mean, the fall is really, having been through this myself, is the most important part of Bowerman's training. And it was the same thing when Jerry was coaching at Wisconsin. You're, you know, Lopez put it really well. He, he said something like the fall is when you make your money. You know, he says it's when you're, you're putting in your strength, you're doing, you know, these crazy long workouts. They're doing eight to 12 miles of repeats on, on grass or on turf fields. It's very minimal recovery, Um, a pretty consistent long run. And then they're doing, you know, a number of Intervals on the track um, that are kind of you know at a controlled pace, still running fast, but also with very short recovery, and it's it's challenging. I mean, I think for a lot of athletes, they're just like you're doing what? You're doing that much volume with that short recovery. Like a lot of people, I think run away from that because it's not it's not always fun. It's not always the fun, playful speed stuff, and that's I think a lot of those lonely hours out there running 70 minute runs in the morning and then running stuff for the guys around 445 pace on grass or for the women around you know 520 pace on grass that's really how they get themselves to a place that they're going to not be dropped my second part of that would be to say uh i mean once again the camaraderie in the group like you know i've i've been around a lot of coaches in the sport like here in portland in high school um I, I trained with Galen Rupp, you know. When I was in Alberto helped me as a consultant when I was in, when I was in high school, and then I went to Wisconsin and was with Jerry. And really, it's so interesting to see how different coaches work in the sport, but to see like the camaraderie. It's like a college team. I mean, that the most the coolest thing to film has been the four by four relays at these meets, and then Jerry reading off splits, like. You know, Sean ran 49.2, Shelby ran 55.3, and you see this big group of athletes sitting in a circle around. And it's like, it's this level of camaraderie that you... I don't know, I don't think that it's the same in other elite groups here. I could be wrong, but there's something really, really unique to that side of camaraderie. that It's just, it's like a continuation of the camaraderie you have in college. But you'll, and Grant shares this in his interview, the thing that's beautiful about it is a lot of the things that are kind of unnecessary to college and you growing as an athlete start to pass away as you come into that, but you share the camaraderie.
2: Stuart, I got to stop you for one second and, and we're going to wrap up and we're going to get back to the documentary in a minute. But can you talk a little bit about what it was like to train with Galen Rupp and to be coached under Alberto Salazar? I almost stopped the interview right then and there to hear you talk about this, but just briefly, just tell us a little bit about what that was like.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, my connection to Alberto and uh, was my sophomore year of high school. I was running a junior Olympic meet uh, at a high school out by Mount Hood here at Sandy High School, and um, we had kind of we knew uh, Alberto's family, family friends. Alberto comes up to my dad, and sees me run, he says something like your son cannot lift enough weights or something like that. Basically saying there are a lot of ways in which I could improve as an athlete that aren't even necessarily directly related to running. So that translated into me being invited to be in this high school group that was myself, Galen Rupp, a couple other guys here in Portland who were really good runners at the time, Michael, Mike McGrath, uh, Joaquin Chapa, Alec Wall, I mean in Portland in two thousand two three and four i don't I don't know that there's ever been like a city a bubble in which we had that many people running that fast in like a in a two year period uh and i mean i have to, i have to give credit Alberto at the time you know he really helped pull that group together and bring all these athletes together to just go do workouts to just train together on Tuesdays and Fridays and Sundays. And, um, we, it was fun. I mean, I look back very fondly upon those times we put in hard work, but, um, you know, the group was, it was a huge part of my development as an athlete. And, um, yeah, I mean, Galen and I had some, some good battles as, as athletes, like our senior year of high school and even into college, even into my, Uh, sophomore and junior year Um, and it was fun I mean I really look back fondly upon all of that and um, it was it was a joy to be a part of a really unique era in in Oregon running
2: it's pretty cool definitely part of some like very unique running history there That's, that's that's amazing but um, so you got you got the Courtney Frederick's uh, interview up, which is or, or, uh, documentary, which is up, um, which is awesome. We all watched it. We really enjoyed it. And we're really looking forward to uh, more coming up soon. And I think the, one of the reasons we reached out to you is because the whole reason why we're doing what we're doing is because we are frustrated with the way that the sport is covered and we wanted to do it differently. And <laughs> wow you guys are doing it differently, which is awesome. It's just, it's, it's, it's the same story over and over again. And we just want to hear something different. Um, so I, you know, I, I, do you guys plan to keep doing, I know you have a, a year's work ahead of work ahead of you. Um, and I don't want to look beyond this documentary series, but do you guys plan to stay in the sport and keep creating content in the sport?
1: We'll see. We'll see where things lead us. The relationships that we're building are, are really beautiful. And, um you know i think the you know there's some interesting things that i've observed recently um particularly my girlfriend who's big into marketing we've been looking at all these different things on youtube and, and like assessing where the popularity is in the sport and um and what the longevity is and particularly stuart and i as we started really getting into this back in the spring it was hilarious we we hadn't really even looked up Shalane's Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Like, even though this whole like, thing was like, so far so like, off our radar. When, when, when he retired, you know, when he was 26, 27, when was it, yeah, like that? 2013? Yeah, 2012, 13. 2012, yeah. 13. Running, it, it's, it's just exponential since then in terms of like the culture that has manifested. on the, I mean, it was like, it was like, let's run.com up until like 2012 and 13. And then now, you know, Shalane's got half a million followers, you know, like Gwen, you know, has a quarter of a million followers. The crazy thing that, that we've seen to, to really get to the point of your question, BTC's YouTube page has nine point nine seven thousand followers. Gwen Jorgensen herself has like 100,000 followers. Um, and then other athletes who have done individual YouTube pages and Instagram pages. Um, so it's, but, but... I guess to answer another question, you said you, another thing you mentioned in there about um, everything kind of all looking the same. That's kind of what we see too. And and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, like in an Instagram feed where, you know, someone's trying to really put out content. I mean, it should look similar if it's all about them and what they're, you know, trying to put into the sport or products that they're aligned with or whatever. Um, but in terms of there really being, the stuff on YouTube that we've seen, and we, and we know some of the, some of the guys who do this stuff, like Talbot Cox, who does this all the stuff with Gwen, and does a lot of like the really quick overnight interviews you'll see from the um, the squad meets and stuff like that. He's awesome, and we, we love Talbot and Courtney, who does a lot of the um, a lot of the still stuff for BTC. Um, but it's so interesting as we were talking to, to Talbot, he was even saying he's like, "Wow, what you guys are doing is so different than what I do." He's like, "I run around with these, you know, these." Five, six, seven thousand dollar camera rigs with these handheld things, and I chase people, and it's all on autopilot. Everything I do is on autopilot, and and he makes amazing stuff, and he turns it out like nobody's business, and he does it for a bunch of different athletes. But what we are doing <laughs> couldn't be more polar opposite than that, and we're not opposed to that in any way. We're just bringing what we've cultivated over the last ten years as photographers and documentary filmmakers and and the type of things that we want to make we just had an opportunity to bring that into the running world um just as artists
2: well alex stewart this has been this has been a lot of fun thank you so much for coming on we're uh, we're looking forward to seeing what you guys are putting
1: out thank you yeah thank you yeah. guys for having well, thanks us so very Great. kind of you to us.
2: Thanks again to Alec and Stuart for coming on. That was a lot of fun. Go follow the extra year dash BTC film on Instagram. Go check out their YouTube page, follow them on YouTube as well. And kind of, kind of, you know, stay tuned for when those videos drop, because I believe, like I said, I think as of this podcast dropping, there will be two out. So go watch them. They're really cool. Um, So guys, there was a, some news dropping. So sound runner is putting together a elite 10 K it looks like, um, and they're doing it December fifth, and there's a ton of names in it. It's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to this. You, ton of names, Steve. Literally, there's like
3: a hundred people listed here. I don't know that might be an exaggeration, but ton of names you know,
0: ton of names we know, ton of friends of the program. And boys, this is uh, this is right after the qualifying window opens up for. Um, getting ready for the Olympics next year. The qualifying window is now December 1st. So they kind of plan the strategically, it looks like, just the the weekend after that. Um, so people are going to be trying to catch those standards to get into their uh, Olympic trials and, and get the Olympic standard. So um, it's going to be some fast times, I bet. I'm looking forward to it.
2: It's going to be fun to watch. And I think we'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk about this more and more over the next couple of weeks. All right, boys, let's kick off the bell lap. Trent, what do you got for people on the bell lap? whoa oh let's oh, let me see. no
3: let's do it no let's do it no trent, no no no, no, no i can't no, believe no. i messed trent, that you up you go
2: first all right trent I'm like I'm trent go first right i you am, am sick so to my stomach I I you, like for the first that for the
3: first time ever you can't just like riff off of mine and like you know make up some bs
0: oh boy all right well i'll get a little serious with this one uh big old rest in peace to tommy Heinsohn who passed away today absolute celtic legend basketball legend player coach but Kind of most applicable to this podcast, a guy who was just unapologetically, an absolute super fan, that took the platform that he had as the Celtics broadcaster and was just the biggest homer that you could possibly have and still have on national TV. So um he is somebody that I just really respect the way he handled that position. And he almost like it. when you think about it as what we're doing with this podcast, just unapologetically being a fan, giving a fan perspective. Um, tried to, to add a little bit of our, our knowledge of the sport as well. But he balanced that real well. Absolute legend. So uh, rest in peace, Tommy.
2: Trent, I think uh, I subconsciously threw it to you first because I knew you were going to talk about Tommy because this was my bell lap as well. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, I think everybody who grew up in the, grit, in the Boston area in New England has a deep love and appreciation for Tommy. And I really started thinking about it. I don't think that there's somebody that influenced the style of what we're trying to do at peak too early, more than Tommy Heinsohn. He was extremely passionate about the sport. Um, he he loved the sport a lot. He loved he, the, the thing that he loved more than anything. He, he loved um, hustle and heart. Those were like his two, those were his things that he loved to see in play Tommy points, Tommy points. But like Trent said, he was, he was unwavering and irrational for his support of the home team. And it's just like, you know, growing up watching the Celtics and watching that just no matter what happened, he was always on the Celtics side, yelling at the refs, yelling at the other players. Like, I just, I just love that so much. And, and, you know, it it took like, you know, I didn't think of it until, until he passed away today, but yeah, I do think that there's a lot of his influence in what we're doing right now with this podcast. And, you know, We, this sport should be striving to bring a little bit more of Tommy Heinsohn to the sport of running. So Mike, what do you got for, what do you got for people on the bell app?
3: Very, very well said gentlemen. Um, two quick points for the bell app this week. The first one is crazy that we are in November and I'm saying this, but we got master's week
1: (laughs) coming up
3: master's week. And, uh, You know, the OG listeners will remember that we pretty much live commentated Tiger winning the Masters last year. So big things to come. I'm very, very excited for the Masters week. I got big plans. Took my first vacation in a very long time, and I'm just going to watch every second of the Masters. The second point, it is Veterans Day. So, of course, quick shout-out to all the vets out there. Shout-out to my grandparents. Shout-out to, I'm sure, you know, everyone's got somebody in, in their life. So, you know, rendering a quick salute to them. Thank you very much.
2: Uh you know last thing here is we we've talked about it a little bit over this past month so we didn't reach 250 reviews by my birthday. So, you know, I'm not getting one of the tattoos that Trent and, Trent and Mike pick, but keep putting tattoo ideas in our reviews. Keep those re- reviews coming. We've gotten a couple over the past couple of weeks, so thank you for that. But keep putting your tattoo ideas in the in the uh the reviews and when we get to 300 reviews, we'll get one of the tattoos that's posted there. So, funny cool you know whatever you want quotes from the podcast put it in the review and we're going to get something tattooed on our body all three of us i'm just putting that i said i think at one point i said just me but all three of us are going to do it when we get to 300 reviews. <laughs> so keep them coming all right i would have run faster but i peaked too early mike hit me with the Josie.
1: josey
3: back we had uh tommy Hines and there's a third one coming Sean
2: connor he died when did he die like just like right before true back
3: oh maybe maybe that's the three right there maybe we already hit it travis roy All right. travis roy All right, yeah a lot of designs